This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <laughs> Tig. Hey. Carol. Hey, girl. Hey. Uh, hey, hey, girl. Hey. What is it? It's Mama's house. What is your show called? It's here comes Mama. Uh, yeah, it's Mama's house. <laughs> yeah. Here comes Mama. Make here room for went. Mama. That's oh. what it is. Make room for Mama. <laughs> Make room for Mama. <laughs> um. This is very confusing for people that have They're never heard the show. Right. Right. And it's so a lot of apologies. inside jokes that, yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. This is about Billie Eilish. This yes. It's not about make room for mama. No, no. This is a really great podcast, and we have an amazing guest. A very special surprise. And what is also a very special surprise in this episode is that Cheryl cries. <laughs> I do. And not only do you cry, you continue to cry. Well, it was very emotional. When people hear this, they're going to they're gonna say, yeah, I get it, Cheryl. I'm with you. I can't believe how long you cried. <laughs> you were having trouble talking. You were crying so hard. I was, I was trying to talk through it. I was trying to, like, I, recover. I feel like it was the buildup. Of all of the episodes that you should have cried hmm. during, and then you let it all out during the Billie Eilish episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Let's just let him. Let's let's get to it. So now you do your intro that you're oh, terrible do? at doing. Uh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, please uh, come aboard. No, please. I present to you, what, do I, what am I supposed to say? I don't even remember. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we present to you Billie no. Eilish. No, no, no. no. What we is it? We present to you. <laughs> what is it? Ladies Isn't and it just... welcome to? Oh, right. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Wah, <laughs> You're crying. Oh, because I cried. I get it. Wah. <laughs> It all started when Tig and Cheryl met in the mid-2000s. Hey, nice to meet you, Tig. I'm Cheryl Hines. Hi, Cheryl. I'm Tig Notaro. Should we do a podcast about documentaries? Yes. A podcast about documentaries? Is this microphone on? Five furious frogs fiddling faintly. Furious frogs fiddling faintly. Five furious frogs fiddling faintly. I am the first ever podcast, and Tig and Cheryl are following in the sound of my footsteps. Let's get started. 
I'm so ready. Tig and Cheryl. True story. Cheryl. <laughs> hey, Tig. Hi, we're doing a podcast again. We are. We're, do- we're doing a good one today. Today we have, mm-hmm. I would say, an unusually exciting one. Yeah, that's right. Today we're talking about the Billie Eilish documentary. And it's called mm-hmm. Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Mm-hmm. And it's a 2021, I mean, I guess you just say 2021. Anyway, documentary chronicling the coming of age story of singer-songwriter Billie Eilish. The film shows Billie's life as a teenager still living in her childhood home with her brother and parents, while in the outside world, she's quickly becoming a global superstar. The documentary is directed by award-winning filmmaker R.J. Cutler and is available through Apple TV. And now... Sold. Sold. (laughs) Without further ado... Mm-hmm. I would like you guys to meet a good friend of mine. I love her so much, and I can't believe she's here with us today. We have Billie Eilish's mom, Maggie Baird. Maggie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maggie. Hello, Sue. Hello, Tim. Hi, thanks for having me. This is fun. You're already having a good time? <laughs> so far, it's been awesome. It's been all my dreams come true. Oh, my God. You know, Tig, I know Maggie Mm -hmm. from the Groundlings Theater. So Maggie and I did sketch comedy together. I'm embarrassed to say how many years ago, Maggie. Oh, you don't have to say. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long time ago. (laughs) It was a while ago. So it's just crazy to think that you, not that you have a daughter who, it's not crazy to think you have a daughter, but it's crazy to think that Billy has become an international superstar iconic figure yeah and you're like a regular person (laughs) (laughs) we're pretty regular here (laughs) she's pretty regular too actually we're all pretty regular in our family I mean they have my kids have some really extraordinary talent but they're pretty normal you know they're very funny well I remember um my wife Stephanie who studied at the Groundlings for a year telling me that Billie Eilish's parents performed at the Groundlings? <laughs> did your husband as well, or was it just mm, he you? Did, he wasn't in the Groundlings. I think he did one musical that Teddy Zambetti wrote. Do you remember Teddy Zambetti? I do. He yeah. was our musical director at the Groundlings. Yeah, and he works at Sirius now, and his daughter is a singer, two daughters. And um, yeah, he wrote a musical, and Patrick was in it, I think, with Stephanie. But he wasn't in the groundlings, but uh, I, I, I was. Yeah. Yeah. And Phineas, Phineas used to go play the drums at the groundlings. You know, when the groundlings used to have Christmas parties, Phineas was like two years old, three years old. He'd go sit on Teddy Zambetti's drums and jam out. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, I really enjoyed uh, imagining Billie Eilish's parents in crooked wigs <laughs> and uh, fake teeth. Well, that was definitely me, definitely uh-huh. uh, toothless, um, you know, heroin addict, prostitutes, <laughs> you know, the whole works. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's how I, that's how I yes. remember you, Maggie. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while, but, the, you know, when I think of you, that's what I think of. And you know what's interesting is all of us have kids and everybody thinks that their kids are gifted and special. I mean, I don't know one parent who doesn't say, oh, but my kid's different. And so- you were saying, oh, but my kids are different. And I'm sure people were like, yeah, okay. 
in the back of the line. All of our kids are <laughs> special and different. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time, you know, it started, of course, with Phineas. I mean, Billy had all these, you know, she had this beautiful voice. She had, you know, she was funny. She does all these things. But, you know, same with Phineas. They were really fun and great kids. But, you know, I didn't have that feeling like, oh, my kids are, you know, super you know, special in some way. And I wasn't even really like a goal, you know, I kind of was like, I just want my kids to be happy, you know. But then when things started to happen and Phineas started writing songs first, cause he was, you know, four years older. And I remember saying to somebody like, ah, I think my son is like this freakish talent, you know, I mean, he's really good. And I, I really don't know if I should help him or, you know, what I should do. And the, the guy was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. he goes like the first thing you should do is like ask somebody else because you yeah, get over yourself. Yeah, you can't yeah. possibly know. I was like, okay, well. Was somebody like, you got to take that kid down to the groundlings and put him behind the drum set and let him really shine. <laughs> See if anything happens. Well, just so people that are listening can hear a little bit of what this documentary is about. And I think this clip from the very beginning of the documentary uh, with Billy talking about who she is and i think it sort of sets paints the, the world for us so let's just listen to this for one second my family is the reason i'm the way i am you played a duet your first duet <laughs> some people it's where they grow up that made them who they are you know where they went to school who they hung out with and for me it was completely my mom and my dad and my brother and my dog my mom taught me how to write songs. My dad taught me how to play the piano and the ukulele. And I would do like talent shows when I was little and my dad would play ukulele for me and my mom would play guitar. My brother would sing harmony. It was always like that. Our family was just one big fucking song. Oh my God. It's so amazing. That makes me cry. That's I so know <laughs> it, it is. So it, it's just hard to imagine what's been happening in your house for the last 20 years. And how long did the documentary span? I mean, I know there's childhood videos and footage, but when they actually started. Mm, yeah. Well, there's lots of childhood stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff. There's quite a bit of stuff too, from phones, et cetera. But the documentary crew, I think the official director and crew was like a year and a half. Mm. I think that's right. But there was like a year before that too, or, you know, they'd sort of send a crew out and film. So it was a long time. And when was the most recent filming that was added into? I think it stopped with the Grammys. I know they filmed uh, the start of the tour, which then never happened. You know, we did three shows last March and that was the end because, because of COVID. Yeah. I think they filmed technically the first show of that tour, but I think they ended with the Grammys. So they were great, great, great team, great crew. I'm not, never was a person who was like, I want to have a reality TV show. You know, that seems kind of like hell to me. Yeah. So it wasn't always easy to have a crew around, but they were pretty awesome and they weren't around all the time. And did the um, documentary start from the record label suggesting it or did somebody come in independently and say we got to catch this you know I got asked this before and I think I should clarify my brain is a bit of a sieve because you know there's been so much that's happened but I think it was it was kind of mentioned I kind of thought in my mind because I, I'm really I actually love documentaries and mm -hmm. I you know what Cheryl when you first told me you sent me a message you go Tig Notaro and I have a, a show. Uh, we have a podcast 
true story where we talk about documentaries. I thought you meant like true story. Can you believe oh, it? Like Maggie, true story. I know it doesn't sound like something I do, but it's. <laughs> this is the most insane thing you're going to hear in a while. True story. We have a podcast. Exactly. But I actually love documentaries and I love movies in general. So I kind of had it in my mind like this is probably worth documenting because even when they started the documentary it had already been like kind of mind-blowing you know and kind of in a weird way lonely almost you know what I mean because it was it was so extreme the things that were happening the things that we were having to learn and that I was like yeah it probably would be a very interesting documentary so Mm -hmm. I think somebody from the label was like hey what would you think of a documentary I was like I I was kind of thinking the same thing Mm -hmm. Tig had a documentary made about her life as well and I just don't understand how you guys and I and people say you get used to the camera being there, I guess, but it seems so strange to have a private moment. I didn't get used to it. (laughs) No. You don't really get used to it, but you get better and better at it. And also, you know, just life kind of has to go on at a certain point. You know, I think think that's kind of the point. And with that style of documentary, um, Cinema Verite, where they're sort of just fly on the wall. There's no talking, like there's no interviews in the movie. There's no talking heads, you know, any interviews were like kind of caught in the moment. So I think the whole point is they're there so much yeah. that eventually you just have to get on with the business of life, you right, know? Right. And by the way, mm-hmm. just so everyone knows, this is the first time that the word Cinema Verite have ever been mentioned <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what that means, but I do. I do know that my documentary was filmed in that genre. The, the verite, the cinema bo- mm-hmm. verite. Now, when you talk mm-hmm. about it, you, you it will sound so smart when you speak of it. And just so, if anybody doesn't know Billie Eilish or her story, it's fascinating because she's very young right now. She's 19 now, Maggie. Yeah, she's 19. She started hitting big, if you will, when she was 13. And and what's really interesting is she and her brother, Phineas, they create this music together and they record it in his room. Is that right, Maggie? Well, that's what they did do. They recorded it in in this room that I'm in right now, which is his bedroom. Um, Now they record in his studio, which is in his house. But same deal, kind of a basement. So this new album that they're doing is in his studio in his house. But same kind of deal. But yeah, it was all in this little bedroom. By the way, this bedroom is about maybe eight by ten. By the way, Maggie, I have to ask you about your house because it, it seems like... It's a very modest house, little charming house. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. I mean, and I think now that everybody's been locked down with their kids in their homes, (laughs) they probably have a new appreciation for it. I mean, your, your home is, yeah, his bedroom looks small. It's small. (laughs) You know what? Small, small houses. Look, if I could wave a magic wand and add one bathroom and one bedroom, I would definitely do it. But aside from that, I really recommend kind of small houses. You know, your really? your kids are close. Yeah. Um, you know what they're up to? You know, it's like 
not too far to get a snack. You know, yeah. Know there's a lot to recommend it. That's important. Snacks are really important. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. You have to be able to get a snack <laughs> yeah. with the slightest hint of hunger. <laughs> well, Maggie. So when, so when she was 13, what, what exactly, exactly happened with um, her song "Ocean Eyes"? So what happened was Phineas and Billy both had danced at the Revolution Dance Center in Montrose, California. What is the what does that mean? It's a cute, amazing dance studio in Mont. Do you know where Montrose is? No. Okay, you need to travel a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know La Cañada? Yeah, La okay, Cañada. Okay. okay. Anyway, it's a cute little town yeah. and there's a really sweet dance studio and both kids dance there, especially Billy. And she was really obsessed with dance and really. Yeah, it was really fun to watch footage of her dancing. I was blown away by that. I know she was so good and she thinks she wasn't good, but she was good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she was really loved dancing. And one of the choreographers there, Fred, he had choreographed a couple dance recitals to some songs that Phineas had written. And then Billy posted something on SoundCloud and everyone was like, oh, you're a singer. Oh, why don't you make a song for a dance for a recital? Hmm. So Phineas was like, let's do Ocean Eyes. You know, and Phineas was producing at this point. Phineas was 17 years old, learned to produce. And they literally stood in this bedroom and they worked out this song with dance in mind, you know? So they were like doing things that would be good with movement and little beats here. And, and they uploaded it to give to the choreographer and they uploaded it on SoundCloud because, you know, that's just the way you transfer music. And they, you know, they let it, let it have a download link because why would you not? And then, you know, overnight, somebody heard it i mean she had a couple other songs on there but literally just for fun you know right. what i mean like like everybody does now on tiktok or instagram you know you right. do anything and you put it there and overnight it had like a thousand plays like people say oh she was discovered it wasn't that extreme but to have a thousand plays overnight and the funny thing was they were like oh they had this friend named frank and frank was really popular and they're like oh frank Frank must have shared it with his friends, but it was like somebody put it on something and it ended up on Reddit. And, wow. you know, and then, oh, shoot, I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, posted it on the blog. I'll try to come up with okay, the name. If it comes to you, listen, nobody is listening for important no, information. No, no, no. Let's let's wait until she figures out what the I'll name call, of that call blog you back. is. <laughs> We're just going to pause. <laughs> We're just going to pause it. Um, that is so interesting. So interesting. So then from there, what happened? They started playing it on the radio or, or how did that? Well, it was on KCRW relatively soon after that, but you know, it was really just more like, you know, they just started getting a lot of messages, a lot of DMs, mm -hmm. you know, like Tig gets a lot of DMs, <laughs> you know, from Not managers <laughs> and people, mm -hmm. <laughs> people just interested in like a meeting or checking them out and Phineas had met this manager through another thing that he was doing with his band and so that manager Danny was like oh you guys are going to need some help let me just you know help you feel through these messages and stuff and then we're like well can you just really just help us and then it was you know it was like a year, to be honest, a year of meetings and Billy and Phineas were busy writing and, and recording and making stuff but 
It was lots and lots of meetings. Are they still <laughs> working with that manager? Yeah, that's their manager, Danny Rickerson and Brandon, best friends and Laura. Yeah, that's their management company. It they they were awesome. And did you have any sort of and not even just did you, but still do you have any hesitations watching you in this documentary? You're exactly what you hope somebody's parent or parents. I mean, you and your husband, you're both just such a breath of fresh air. And the film felt like ultimately a love letter to both of you. When I sat down to watch it, it was like two and a half hours. Oh my gosh, this is, (laughs) this is a long movie. I could not, I could not stop watching it. And I wanted more. It was so interesting. I was familiar with Billy but just not to that extreme degree. I knew she was a young artist, but to see her in your family unit and to see how you parent, you seem to be allowing your kids to do what they want to do. And then you just make sure that they are safe or as safe as they can be as they're doing what they want to do. And I'm I'm just curious as a parent myself, I'm, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I cannot even imagine um, how you balance that. And as all of that is unfolding, you know what? It was pretty hard to be honest. Like, I, I think, you know, in a way to, to be honest, the documentary even comes in a little bit late to probably the hardest parts of it, you know, which were probably the first couple of years um, where, you know, to have your child, your young daughter sort of, thrust into a world that you listen I I am an amateur songwriter and am you know really kind of wanted to be a professional songwriter but I didn't know anything about the industry you know what I kept telling people in the beginning I was like you know what it's like Mm. it's like um there's a room with a a door Mm -hmm. and the door is suddenly open and you're on the other side but before that you didn't even know there was a door so I had no, and suddenly we were in this world and, and the music business is kind of complicated. There's the publishing and the writing and the, the writing share and the publishing share and the sync share and the mass. There's all this vocabulary and language and there's all these different elements. And so for the first while, it was just pretty, you know, just a, a mind blowing experience to have to learn so much to try to make sure she was being taken care of, you know, and that she was safe mentally. And plus when things like a career start to really take the kind of speed that hers was taking, it's really exhausting. You know, you know, you got to kind of seize the moment, but then there's like very little time to take a breath. And Cheryl doesn't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) About being exhausted. Well, just having a busy career and schedule, but I relate to what Billy was going through, but Cheryl doesn't understand, but go ahead, Maggie. (laughs) Well, you know, everything that was happening to her was on top of being 13, 14, 15 years old. Well, yeah, that is, I mean, anybody who's a parent to a teenage girl is, uh, you know, you understand that it is not easy and it's real. What's really hard about it, I think is, and, and what you're so good at in this um, documentary, Maggie, you were talking about how it is hard to be a teenager and that people do want to sometimes say, oh, okay, that's, 
my daughter being dramatic, they don't have real stresses in the world, you know, but they do have real stresses in the world. Mm. And then that being said, there are times when they are stressed because, you know, you ran out of ice or something and you're like, well, I let's take a beat. <laughs> are we sure that that should be a ear jerking moment? You know, so to just be able to navigate those waters and figure out what to worry about and stress about and, and what to help her figure out what to, you don't ever want your kids to stress, but we, you know, what to pay attention to and what to ignore. I think I, I just can't imagine. It just seems like a mountain full of emotions. It was pretty intense. Yeah, it was pretty intense. It was also kind of hard to find anyone to talk about it right. with, you know, because, because it was hard to explain, you know, in a weird way, I feel like it got easier for me when uh -huh. she got more famous because then everybody was like, oh, I see, mm -hmm. I know who she is. I kind of get it. But when, when she was at the level where we were going to New Zealand and Australia and giant crowds, right. Or, you know, lines around the block and London, but most, even, even though she was playing these venues that were sold out and she had this massive fan base and this, you know, plenty of Instagram love and plenty of Instagram hate and all that. Right. But most general people I knew didn't really know, you know? Um, and so it was kind of hard to even kind of explain or talk to anyone about it. So, right. Cause no one's right. had that experience. Be, you know? This is on such a small level of my existence, but my wife and I are co-directing a film right now, and we are given our schedule every day, like in pre-production and everything, and it gets so busy and somebody else is booking our schedules for us. And she turned to me the other day and she said, I finally understand why you never knew what you were doing the following day or <laughs> what, what time your flight went, came in. Cause she would always ask me things like, do you, what hotel are you staying at? I'd be like, I have no clue. Or like what airline, you know, what, what time do you arrive? And I'd be like, I cannot explain how I don't know until I wake up the next morning or I go to bed that night, I might look at my itinerary, but people are just kind of moving things along. And again, I'm nowhere near what Billy's life is, but my, my wife, it was so interesting. Um, just the other day she was saying, yeah, I didn't understand how you didn't know certain things about your schedule. Yeah, for sure. Billy, you know, Billy had years where, you know, you were, you were telling her what she was about to do. And it was like, as if she had never heard of it, you know, and you'd be like, well, we did mention it, you know, two weeks ago and you said, okay. Or, you know, like, yeah, it's just way, way, way too much. It's and and that's the thing. It's it's too much for an adult, you know. And then when you put that on a a teenage brain who's going through everything normal, and you add in that uh, the era of the uh, internet and social media, and hate, and also deep, profound yeah, yeah. connection to your fans, but also you know a lot of crazy people out there. You know, it's just, yeah. it's kind of mind blowing. So but. what is your, well, how would you describe your parenting and your, the way you handle it, you and your husband? Like, is there? Yeah. Well, when, when the kids were little, I mean, we are not perfect by any means at all. And not true. Um, but Do we... not talk about my friend Maggie like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> believe me, but, uh, 
you know, we, we had a lot of help when the kids were little. We went to this place. It used to be called, it's called the Echo Center now. It used to be called the Center for Nonviolent Education and Parenting. That was very, very helpful, just kind of learning this whole communication style of nonviolent education and, you know, empathy. And it's, it's a whole language that you kind of learn that is very, very helpful. I actually highly recommend it. Super helpful. And so that kind of feeds into everything. But then, you know, just in general, you know, I think what probably all parents are trying to do, you know, give your kids empathy, let them do I mean, probably mm -hmm. not all parents are doing mm -hmm. this, but at least a lot of them, you know, pursue their interests and dreams. And, you know, we did try to give them lots of space and time for that. So we didn't, everyone knows we unschooled our kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So that means in our case, we didn't put like more value on learning about geography than we did about writing a song or drawing an animation cartoon or whatever the period of time they were in or dance class, right? So you know, we, he, they did have geography stuff, but they, that wasn't the, like, you have to do all this stuff. And then this right. is the extra. Were you the person that, that was, that taught, I mean, you don't want to, you don't use the word homeschool. No, unschool. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because so many people have a preconception about it. That's not really accurate. I've read about the whole unschooling and we've very much, we're still in conversation about what we're going to be doing. So what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Unschool. I would say what we did was eclectic, mm -hmm. you know, it was, just, it was just kind of following the lead, you know, your kids change every six months. They're like a whole new person, right? So like this, what they want to do this six months and what they need next six months. So you're trying to figure out what do they need and what are they interested in? It's like child led, but it's, it's not like we had no rules or no, you know, so, so if they were super interested in something, we wouldn't shove it down their throat, but we'd like, okay, let's find a way to learn about that. Like when Phineas got really interested in music, we started going to the Grammy Museum because they had this amazing weekly classes in like, you know, music of the Civil War, or music of this, or how to make a beat on Ableton. And so we started going to those every week. We started doing some cooperative classes where I would teach or another parent would teach. I led lots of book clubs. We had, you know, the thing is people yeah. nowadays, right now during the pandemic, yeah. think they're homeschooling. Well, they're really crisis schooling, That's right? Right. This is like an it's, afterthought. No, no, they didn't, it's nobody so planned different. for it and we didn't know what's going to happen. It. Yeah. Because we were rarely home. You know, we were out on field trips mm -hmm. and adventures and park days and and when we were home, we often had lots of people over, you know, we were making projects or making films or you mean like other families that that were doing the same thing that you were doing. Yeah, other families. Mm -hmm. So like if it was you potting, you know, that yes, pod. we were potting before, <laughs> potting before was people essential. knew about pods <laughs> before we had to pod. We were a pod. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. God, it sounds overwhelming. Because what were you doing? What was your life, Maggie? What were you doing? Well, I was still trying to make a living. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, um, I was as an actress. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I was responsible for my family's health insurance for one thing, you know? Yeah. Right. So I was still auditioning and and doing looping ADR jobs and, you know, any job I could get. I also taught, I taught, I taught improv at the groundlings. I taught aerial circus. I taught music together. Aerial circus. Yes. That was whole period of my life. Maggie that we just can't even look, you got to do what you got to do. If, if I had to, (laughs) I would teach aerial circus. (laughs) Well, you know what? A lot of what we did was because we didn't have a lot of money. So you know, if I wanted my child to have aerial circus class, well, first I started helping to organize the classes. And then pretty soon I was taking the classes. Then I was assistant teaching and I was teaching the classes. And, and how did that, when, when you're look, talking to your friends or your kids' friends, parents, is aerial circus classes, is it like in high demand where people are like, yeah, we, we got to get together and get the aerial circus? <laughs> Well, this is the thing about the homeschool world. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a different kind of group of people, I think, that are like down for the aerial circus class, you know, that's incredible. <laughs> and this, you go from aerial circus class right down to Civil War tunes. Yeah, yeah. I love I, I'm dying to hear some Civil War tunes. <laughs> well, let's do that after the show, Cheryl. <laughs> We should utilize Maggie right now since we have her, even though you're dying to hear Civil War tunes, we should still talk to Maggie. Mm -hmm. Just speaking from my own experience, like I also didn't have any money when I was starting out, when I lived here, you know, I, I was taking classes at the Groundlings. I was working three jobs sometimes. She was trying to win a truck (laughs) with hands on a hard body. Yeah, to put put your hand on the car and then oh. the last person standing with spend... the car. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. you're kidding me. Yeah. Oh wow. And we just did an episode. Yeah. Yeah, we just did an episode about a documentary about it and we highly recommend it. Uh it yeah. made Cheryl cry. <laughs> it it did. didn't make me cry. But anyway. <laughs> so uh, but but then when I got Curb Your Enthusiasm, it was I remember watching the premiere of Curb 
and it was on after sex in the city before the Sopranos and my friends and I were all shoved into my one bedroom apartment, like not even enough, enough room for everybody. We're basically sitting on top of each other. And, and one of my friends said, you're on HBO and we're in this shitty apartment. It's like, they were like, what are you doing? I said, well, I, you know, they're not paying, paying me that much. And I can't, I'm in so much debt. It's like, I don't, I don't know when I'm going to be able to move out of this shitty apartment, but, but every Sunday we'd all pile in and we'd laugh about how broke I was. But, um, but so for you guys, there must, and you can say, mind your beeswax, but she knows that <laughs> was there a time when you, when it was all happening, but that doesn't mean that somebody's handing you a giant check yeah. to That's take right. care of all your bills and, and yeah, buy whatever you want to buy. Right? Yeah. People have, you know, what? somebody pretty early on, I hope if she listens to this, she will not take offense, I'm sure but she, I'm she, sure she's listening. She will, <laughs> but somebody, everyone's listening to this, Maggie, <laughs> this is one of this podcast goes real wide. So go <laughs> ahead, talk directly to her, talk directly to this woman. Go on. Uh, okay. So she took me out to lunch and she, you know, it was pretty early on to be honest, but you know, she wanted to know if Billy would be on her show or something. And I was like, you know, there's kind of a, kind of a hierarchy of things that they do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's probably not, but she said in this lunch, she like, well, she must have so much money. Like I know somebody whose daughter is an influencer. She makes, you know, millions of dollars. I said, well, first of all, she's not an influencer. You know, at the time I was like, she's a musician and she doesn't get paid for every you know thing she says on Instagram. That's not a thing she does. And they just don't really have a people don't really have a per understanding of like the, the money factor. Yeah. I think people are also still stuck in the days of your when, you know, a hit song was like all you needed to be set for the rest of your life. Um, right. So it, it, you know, I'm not saying she's, she's doing just fine now. She's uh, going to be okay. Yeah. She's, she's doing just fine. Okay, she's, she's plenty of, she's uh, going to pull through. She's going to make it. <laughs> Thank God. But you know, it wasn't that way for a while. You know, you have to be careful, you know, you have, to, and also you, you don't know where you're going to end up. Right. Right. But Cheryl's looking for, she's looking for numbers. How much money's in the bank? That's what she's asking. She wants I just, hardcore. Financial. No, because when I, when I was watching, when I was watching the documentary and and Billy's wearing like a Louis Vuitton sweatsuit. And then Maggie, cut to Maggie. I mean, you're you're washing Cheryl. You're outside Cheryl. Washing machine. No, I was like, Maggie, Maggie should have an, an indoor a shed. Maggie okay, a should shed. have a shed over her washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a second. So First of all, you know, Billy doesn't buy those clothes. You know, people give okay. you those clothes, right? And right. I literally wear Thank you. Thank yeah. you. My wife will see clothes that I get from a TV show <laughs> and then she'll go on a shopping spree and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, well, you have new clothes. I'm like, I didn't buy this. <laughs> you didn't buy them. I was given this for a TV show. And she's like, well, I still think I should get new clothes when you do. <laughs> you know what? The first time Billy did a... She did a video and it was like the first time she was in like a Gucci track suit or something, right? Because everything else until that point was really thrift store, right? She got her clothes at the, oh, Cheryl, I have the best story. Um, should I tell this Please. story? Okay. Yeah, tell it. Okay. I, this is Tell Billy us everything, Maggie. <laughs> well, it's grounding That's related. That's why we called you. 
growling related. It's growling okay. related. Okay. So Billy had been, she, she'd already been, you know, happening. She'd, she'd been done a, I think she'd already done a headlining show in London, you know, for like 150 people, but sold out, you know, yeah. and I came home from something and she'd been in the attic and now that's where I had at all the groundlings. No, my attic, but that's oh, your attic. That's where I kept all my groundlings. Where all costumes. the wigs are. Yeah, all the wigs. Yeah, and the costumes. That's where yeah, the wigs. Yeah, the wigs. All the crooked wigs are up there. <laughs> yep. And I came home, and she had all these clothes all over the bedroom, including the yellow rubber uh, rain suit that she ended up wearing in bellyache. <laughs> and she had this outfit, Cheryl, that was so you know like this seven just the worst the worst outfit 70s clothes and you know the bird seed breasts and everything and she she has the the shirt and the yellow rain suit she goes mom what happened to you you used to have such good style (laughs) 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 and then I took her to a thrift store and we were looking around and she she was like a wizard at the thrift store she would like in 20 minutes, she'd have a cart full of clothes. And I couldn't tell what she was going to pick out that she thought was cool. And she shows me this pair of brown double knit stretch, you know, with the seam in the front pants. She goes, uh-huh. aren't these fire? And I go, honestly, those look like something we would have worn at the groundlings. She goes, well, from what I know of the groundlings from you, they have very good taste. <laughs> So Billy, Billy's style is like Groundlings meets um, Groundling meets Gucci. Meets Gucci. Because everything at the Groundlings is from a thrift store, right? Yes. But she thought that was great style. And so then the first time she did a video where they put her in like a Gucci tracksuit, at the end of the day, there was this flurry of conversation of the label, you know, and then they were like, Billy, you can have the tracksuit. And she was thrilled, right? This was her first piece of like the real designer. Yeah. And I was like, Billy, if we sold those, that jacket on eBay, (laughs) we could buy a new stove. (laughs) Oh my God. God. But we didn't do it, of course. But, um, but that's the kind of thing people don't know. There's like a, you know, well, that's what's, it's so interesting to watch this, this documentary, because I mean, you see how you guys live and yeah, I mean, listen, I'm upset about the washing machine outside. I, <laughs> I feel like that something needs to happen immediately about that, but, um, but it's, it's very sweet. And I think that's, uh, I think when people watch this, they're just not going to believe that it's real because yeah. you imagine, I guess we're so used to, especially like the Disney stars that come up, right? They were kid stars and they seem to get into this lifestyle pretty quickly where it's all about what you have and how you live and what you drive. And so when you see how Billy is living, it's just, it's hard to believe because you're, you're like, wow, they look like us. Somebody asked us recently, like, well, why don't, why don't you move? Why don't you do this? And, you know, I don't know, this is, this is where our memories are, you know, this is home and, you know, maybe we'll have to move. It's, it's possible we'll have to, but you know, your memories are what makes home home. You know, we moved to this neighborhood in, in uh, 2001. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, partly because we did homeschool, unschool, 
we have so many memories here. You know what I mean? It's not like our kids were off all day at school. And, you know, like mm. the backyard was the source of every fun experience with friends. And, you know, the, you know, of course we were out in the world too, but it was, it's a real memory filled home. You know, it was kind of mm -hmm. the home where all the kids wanted to come over and we had so many fun par birthday parties and stuff. So it's just not that easy to move, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. Memories. Are here. I like moving. Do you? See, I'm just the opposite, but I'm heartless. Take notice. <laughs> she is. She Some is. people love to move. I, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to move, but I know those people who, who just love it. Yeah. Like every, I don't know, every five or six years, I'm like, all right. I get it. I get it. I get you house. I want to see what else. And I, and I don't, and I worry about like collecting too much stuff. I don't know what to do with stuff. And you have you know, oh, here's a coaster from the night that you went to the Golden Globes. And it's like, well, okay, but what do That's you do with true. that? What do you do with that, Cheryl? I don't know. <laughs> I try problem. to, I put it in a box and then I don't open it again the next time I move. Do you have an archivist? No. <laughs> I was going to say, I just, I have this collection of things that I just call my time capsule. Hmm. And so every like five to 10 years, I go through my time capsule and there's stuff that I'm not attached to and I get rid of. And then there's stuff that keeps hanging around for decades and it gets to always be in the time capsule. And it cracks me up because I always think it's a mix of, of um, personal family stuff to different things from my career that I've kept and I've, <laughs> and I've thought, oh, um, I'll give it to my kids one day. And I just picture them. I just crack up picturing them opening it going, I don't want this. Why would I want, why on earth? And it's like, oh, here, here, Max and Finn, you can split it between the two of you. All of my garbage. No, I have, I, ha I have some of those things too, where I, I have a videotape, like a thick, what three quarter videotape back in the day um because I I always talk about college um because when I was in college I was majoring in in television and um wow it really worked out for you thinking, <laughs> and that's rare and Jerry Seinfeld was coming to our our school to University of Central Florida and I was going to in interview him but this is before this is a long time ago Maggie uh this was before <laughs> Seinfeld had Seinfeld but he was still like one of the biggest comedians out there and uh, we only have one camera and I I really just wanted it on Jerry I didn't want a two shot I really wanted it on his face so we set up we set up the camera in the gym this little and I interviewed Jerry and um you know it was great he was nice and then I had to like, turn the camera around and I have footage of me just going <laughs> Jerry <laughs> oh that's funny Jerry <laughs> I keep thinking one day I'm going to do something with it, but you know, I'm just going to, one day I'm going to die and people are going to be going through it and they're going to be like, what the, what is this? I think that video now has to be posted because <laughs> I think everyone wants to see that. <laughs> Talk about going viral. Um, okay, shoot. We got to get back to this. Listen, this is the problem that we have. See Maggie, you see how this works? 
You know what? I think of all the ones I listened to, I was wondering, Boys State was the one you guys were really, really committed to talking about that movie. movie. And that was early on. That was early on when we first started. And then we went off the rails right around Metallica, I think. That was the episode. And then everything after Metallica just became a circus. circus, (laughs) Did you like Boys State? Were you like, oh, I can, I'm really finding out a lot about this documentary. Yes. <laughs> but I but I like it just as much when you don't know anything about the documentary. I think it's just as funny. It's just as great. Well, <laughs> um, okay, listen. So, so in this documentary, I mean, Justin Bieber plays an interesting part in this film. Yes. I mean, I've never really paid much attention to Justin Bieber, but I really fell in love with him in this film. I know. <laughs> I think you fall in love with him because Billy loves him so much. And I she know. loved him so, you know, the thing, one of the great things about Billy, I mean, there's Billy's just awesome, but she's strong willed and she doesn't care what everyone else around her thinks. You know what I mean? Like, of course, the world loves Justin Bieber, but you know, there's also the period of time where you're at a certain age and it's popular to hate Justin Bieber, just like it's mm-hmm. popular to hate Billie Eilish, probably among some groups now. But she was nope. De- she was devoted and and unapologetic. You know, no one could say a bad thing about him. And you know, because of that, she she played his music in the car all the time. And I fell in love with them. And we went to see the movie and it was like, God, he's so charming and he's so talented. And, and I like the whole family went to the concert. We together. did. We all went to the movie because we couldn't <laughs> afford the concert. So we went to the movie. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, we couldn't afford, you know, I feel so bad for people because, you know, with Billy's concerts, when she was in small venues, you could afford it. But, you know, big venues cost a lot of money. They just, the shows are really expensive. And, right. you know, we couldn't make and go to a Justin Bieber concert because by the time she discovered him, he was already huge. Right. And um, so we, we went to the movie and he had a tough one, you know, he had a tougher road. I think we, we learned from him actually as a family too. We were like, let's try to make sure we look after her. And, you know, he, he was kind of a pioneer in that, you know, um, yeah. and his whole team, I'm sure. Was- I, w- I was, you know, kind of familiar with Justin Bieber, but not really. And then I saw his documentary and was just blown away by him and came out of there like, uh, who's got a problem with Justin Bieber? Have you seen this guy play drums? Have you seen this guy? I mean, I couldn't believe what a musician he is. I was so floored. You you were a believer. Uh, a believer. Cheryl, Cheryl yeah. stay out of this, please. That, that you, Come on. And um, that's what you're called. That's what you're called. But truly, I was really, really blown away by him. I totally agree. I We had the same thing. We went to see that movie. You're like, oh, my gosh, he's so talented. He can do everything. And his voice yeah. is, you know, he makes every song so beautiful. And I love I love that in, in the documentary, Maggie, you... I loved it when you said that you were so concerned about her heartache and heartbreak for Justin Bieber that you thought maybe you needed to take her to therapy. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I seriously did. I mean, she was, she was the definition of lovesick, you know, she, oh. it hurt her, you know, which I think is part of the reason she's so good with her fans, yeah. you know, because she knows that feeling yes. of like, 
loving someone and thinking uh, they will never know me. You know, they will never know me. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, that's what's extraordinary about her anyway, because she, I mean, she feels like an old soul that just feels everything so just in such a dramatic way. And it's a very real, it's very real. It's authentic. She's very authentic. And she and, and Phineas have a way of, and she talks about it in the documentary too, of just being able to express it. And sometimes it's not even with a word, sometimes it's, but just through their music. And that's what people really understand. And all the footage of the girls just singing along and crying and it's just very powerful. Yeah. It's been one of the best things about the whole experience to me is the fan world. They're so to be around all these teenagers. And I, you know, as hard as it was to be a parent of a teenager, I have grown to deeply love this age group. You know, they are so full of love and emotion and struggling. And so many of them are having such a hard time. And I don't know, just getting to see them in the audience and at the meet and greets. And that has been one of the best things to me about all of it. Just the love they have for each other and, you know, and for Billy and, and it's, it's very, very moving. And at at a time when, you know, like I said, in the movie, it's a hard time for kids, you know, like, listen, you know, our poor kids, you know, they had the last four years, they had a, you know, my kids had a mother that was just like, constantly like, climate change, climate change, climate change, like, we're doomed, we have to do this, you know, that's, that's what my poor kids had to have, you know, not to mention, you know, when Trump got elected, you know, we didn't cover it up at all. We didn't go like, it's gonna be fine, right? It's gonna be we're gonna we were like this is horrible which by the you way know? yeah it's hard oh, it's hard as a parent to yeah oh i was just gonna say um while we lost you on zoom cheryl mentioned your um plant-based organization and i just i've donated to it myself and i think it's incredible and if there's anything you Thank wanted you yeah if there's anything you wanted to mention about that since the planet is ending <laughs> um i i would love to because <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's been my whole year of being home, you know, in addition to still helping Billy. But yeah, we started, we got home from Billy's abandoned tour and, you know, almost right away started this organization called Support and Feed. And we realized right away, like, wow, all these restaurants, these small plant-based restaurants are going to really have a hard time staying open. And meanwhile, there's all these people who need food. And if we could get food from plant-based restaurants to people who normally don't get plant-based food, we could help the climate crisis. And then ultimately it became a social justice movement because we really focus on communities with food apartheid and lack of access and organizations that are helping communities or, or in communities that are already doing amazing work. So we get donations and we get food from plant-based restaurants. We take it to great places like Children's Aid in New York or Sisters of Watts or Boys and Girls Clubs, um, Sylvia Rivera Food Pantry. That's so awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, we managed to feed over 60,000 meals in the, you know, the, in last calendar year and, and uh, help a lot of restaurants stay open and provide some educational materials and just really help support the orgs that are already doing amazing stuff themselves basically that that is pretty amazing i mean and and just so you are very health conscious and what you put in your body and and even in the uh in this film 
we learned that I didn't know that Billy had Tourette's. She does. Yeah. And you see her having some of the tics and I thought it was, you know, just that, that when it was happening, she, you guys were reaching for the essential oils. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, well, the essential oil, that one just kind of helps or, you know, could just be a distraction, you know, something mm. on the brain, but that particular mm. is like a calming chamomile. It's called Clary Calm. And I just tried it one time when she was having a really rough time and it helped. And then it kind of became associated in her brain uh, with helping. That it helps. Yeah, it helps because, you know, Tourette's is a, uh, her Tourette's is complicated. Most people don't see most uh, it's happening all day and all night. Wow. A lot of it is more invisible. It's her knee. It's her shoulder. It's stuff people don't see all the time. Wow. When she's really tired or stressed, it, it shows up more in her face. Uh -huh. um, and so then it's harder to cover up, but it's pretty much there all the time. And there's this little vocal tick too, that is, you know, comes out when she's tired and stressed. And so you know, when you've got those things and they're affected by exhaustion and stress and you're leading a really exhausting, stressful life, it's really hard. So that oil was kind of, you know, just having something to smell and sort of click your brain out of it a little bit. Uh-huh. Now, this might seem like a ridiculous question, but if Billy were to come to you one day and say, I genuinely don't think I want this life or career anymore. I, I saw what it can be. I, I got the good and the bad. And I'm just, I think I want to do something else. How would, how would you feel after being on this ride with her and as a parent? Well, first of all, I think honestly, she's at a place now where she doesn't feel that way. She's quite in a good place with it. She can't wait to go back on the road, you know, mm -hmm. but Honestly, that's yeah. been on my mind the whole time. I mean, sometimes I feel like I didn't even breathe yeah. for four years, you know, because I was like, yeah. are you okay? Is everything okay? And I mean, I don't think it's in the documentary, but there were a million times where like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. This can stop at any time. Even even me, a stranger watching it, I was like, I told my wife because she didn't wasn't able to watch it with me. But I was like, I just left that documentary going. I want everything to be okay for this family. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine where you are coming from. For the whole time I've been, you know, promoting this idea that you can stop. Obviously you can always stop. And, you know, she came to own it herself. You know, I, I think it was really evident in the Vanity Fair, you know, the famous Vanity Fair one year apart. And there was that one year, that one year, where everyone was like, oh my God, poor Billy. Oh, well, that year was the most exhausting, grueling year. I think she had a cold. And also that Vanity Fair thing wasn't super established yet. You know what I mean? Like the, it was a year, it was the first time really, because she filmed the first one and it didn't come out because they were waiting for the second one. Right. So she had a rehearsal that day for a tour and we were like, oh, yeah, shoot, you have to do that Vanity Fair thing. Like it was so barely on our brains. And she was in the deepest oh, part of yeah. exhaustion and hard. And so I kind of think it was awesome that it captured that because mm. that is part of what it takes. And at that point, you know, I think it's easy to watch that and go, wow, is this worth it? And I certainly thought, is this worth it? Mm. But then she says in the next year, it was worth it. I'm really happy. I stuck it out. But, you know, I think 
at any given time, if she wants to do something else, go for it. You know, I mean, it's partly why you don't buy the giant mansion and the Mm. 50 cars and the whatever, because you don't put yourself in a position where you ever have to make a choice in life based on to keep up your lifestyle that you created in a time when that's right. Wow. Maggie, I feel like the world needs to learn from you and Patrick. We've got so much to learn. Um, (laughs) We have to wrap it up. You guys, we'll just say, and this isn't spilling the beans (laughs) because everybody knows, but Billy and Phineas (laughs) went on to win six Grammys and it, you know, it, it's just an Billy won five and Phineas won six somehow. I don't quite know how that worked, but they were wow. slightly it, it different just ones. Amazing. <laughs> um, but you guys, shall we move on to our um, final segment? Yeah. It's time for our happily ever after thoughts, where we give our final thoughts on this week's documentary. Pig. Yeah. Did you cry? I did not cry. But I was very touched through the whole thing. And as I said before, I just really had this feeling of all of you and your puppy dog that's lying on the bed behind you. I want you all to be happy and okay and safe. But I was touched. I was very touched by just your family and and your life. And what about you, Cheryl? Did you cry? I did. I'm usually not the crier. Wow. Two in a row. Two in a and row. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's because I have a daughter that's, you know, she's about to be 17. And I also, I know how you feel because I feel her heartbreak when she has it. I, I know when she's upset and I feel it. And when, when you, I'm going to get, oh dear. Sometimes I get emotional talking about when M- Maggie, when you cried. Wow, when, double whammy. <laughs> Talk, you when, cried at the movie and you might cry on the podcast. Go, yeah, let's see some tears. You, no, when you cried, um, when Justin Bieber called her, hmm. you know, he texted her, he DM'd her mm. and it was so emotional for you because you knew how much that meant to her and you probably. <laughs> oh, she's crying. I love this. <laughs> And you, you're probably the only person in the world who could really understand what that meant to her. And so I just, listen, I'm, a, I'm a, an emotional wreck. And then at the- I am feeling so much right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling the emotion, but I'm also laughing so hard at you because um, <laughs> you're so cold hearted in every know, documentary. And it's- I am. And Justin Bieber. And we've done, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. And Justin Bieber, and then destroyed you when she was at Coachella, and she there's a moment where she sees him, and they both have their masks on, right? I mean, is this Coachella? And the or or yeah. or he, he had a he had a mask on just because you know he he's was being, so famous. Yeah, <laughs> and they they lock eyes, and Billy doesn't even know what to do with herself. She just stands there. She's not sure what to do. She thinks about running off and then, oh boy. And then she goes (laughs) and she, and they hug each other and (laughs) 
Maggie, you tell them what happened. No, make her say it, Maggie. I, say, he, make he, her say it. Yeah, yeah go ahead, what Cheryl. Happened? What tell happens us. next? What happens next? <laughs> go on. And then he is just holding her and she's just sobbing in his arms. And then she even says that every time she, you know, started to cry harder, he would just hold her tighter. <laughs> and this went on for quite some time. And it was really, once again, it was like a human uh, experience that they had with each other that was really uh, amazing to me. And it really, really got me because I knew how much it meant to her because of your reaction to to him reaching out to her earlier. And it was just really, I mean, it re really, that's the, the, for me, the, the reason to watch this documentary. <laughs> Yeah, it was an amazing, uh, it was an amazing moment. Yeah. I mean, it's still amazing. Every now and then we, we hear from him or see, we got to see a show um, finally. And it's still amazing. It's still amazing. He will never not be Justin Bieber to her, you know, right. I mean, right. and his wife is the sweetest person on the planet, but it's still like that. If she talks to him, you can still see that she's just like, that's so that's amazing. Well, Maggie, I I don't mean to like jump in there, um, but I did notice that um Billy wore Star Trek shirts a lot and <laughs> I'm on Star Trek Discovery. So if she wants to freak mm -hmm. out about me, tell her I'm just a person, which is yeah. also the name of my book that I'd like to promote. We're not doing that. We're not wasting Maggie's time okay. with your All right. stuff. All right. Um but we're not gonna. We're also not gonna ask um, each other who you want to make out with or be stuck in an elevator with. It's I, inappropriate. No, to... I think that we should. Of course, we should. Maggie, is there anyone in the documentary that um, you wanted to make out in a closet with or be stuck in an elevator with? In the documentary. <laughs> yes. Um. Gosh. Um. I, that's a hard one. I, I, I don't think so. My no. husband, I should say my husband, that would be the appropriate thing to say. Yeah. Well, maybe, you, yeah, maybe not the honest the thing to say. But well, like, and you could be stuck yeah. in an elevator with somebody for non-sexual reasons. Like, oh, I'd love to be stuck that's in right. an elevator with Justin Bieber to get um, more Bieber. information about how awesome he is. Yeah, you, know yeah. what you know what I mean? But then yeah. it sounds sort of creepy because it's <laughs> old, old people. Well, it doesn't have to be I Justin know, Bieber. Okay. And Lord knows if it was Justin Bieber, Cheryl would burst into tears. Okay, Tig, who do you want to make out with? Um, Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not hear my love for Justin Bieber? Katy Perry was in the movie. Oh, Orlando, oh, Orlando Bloom. Bloom. Her husband. Orlando Bloom. Yeah, Orlando, Orlando Bloom. Bloom. Okay, Orlando. guys, come on. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm going with Justin Bieber. I'll go with Orlando. I love Katy Perry. I do love Who Katy doesn't? Perry, but I, well, I don't know, but I would make out with Justin Bieber. I don't know that I'm his type. I would imagine <laughs> I'm not exactly what he's looking for. You could probably share clothes with him, though. Hmm. That's true. That would be adorable. <laughs> he right. has really cute clothes. He does. Okay. Well, great. Can you let him know? <laughs> can you um, DM him? I would. Yeah. Can you DM <laughs> Justin Bieber and let him know that I'm happy to share my big um, Alaskan wool sweater with him that has eagles <laughs> on the back? It is. It is your trademark. It is your trademark sweater. 
Um, Tig, we have to let Maggie go. Maggie, before Thank you guys we, for having me. Of course. I know you are very patient with all of our technical difficulties. To make it up to you, I do want to put it out there that I am more than happy to help in any way with your plant-based services. Thank you. Or any environmental help. I've I've helped Cheryl with her water business, but um yes, my water I'm a I'm a hardcore plant-based human being over here. That's awesome. And I just love I love what you're doing. So thank you. Please know that if there's any help, let me know. I will take you up on that. And Cheryl, I want to talk about your yeah. water thing too. <laughs> okay. Well, thank well, you. Tig. We will do that. You guys are so funny. I love your podcast. Thanks. I I I wondered if we would even talk about the movie. So no, we barely sweet. did. But no, <laughs> it was plenty. You guys are very very funny. Thank so, thank you, you for having thank me. You. And All thank right. you again for coming to yeah. my shows. But I also do want to mention my book. I'm just okay. a person. No, that did let her go. No, 2015. <laughs> Maggie's going. Tig, we've got to let her go. And then my HBO special. Oh my God, um, I've seen it. Boyish yeah. girl interrupted. Yeah. My own documentary, Tig. Um, I'm begging you at this point. Star Trek. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for you. Well, Maggie, you are a real joy, and um, we both really appreciate you taking the time. And um, it's such a great documentary. Yeah, it's so great. Everybody should watch it, and everybody will watch it. Billie Eilish, the world's a little blurry. Thank, Thank you, you Maggie. Maggie. Bye. Thank you. That was a fun one. It was a really fun one. I'm a I'm a huge Maggie Baird fan. I know. I, I'm I know sold. Sold. And the whole family. I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's gonna do it for today. Get wiener. Cat wiener. <laughs> Cat wiener. It's our it's our it's our uh signature sign off. <laughs> We're known for it. <laughs> okay, Tig. Before we go though, I want to uh get a vibe from our listeners. Who would like mm. merchandise? Like mm. let's say we had merchandise, t-shirts and mugs that said things like um Get Wiener. Get wiener. Or um, making national headlines. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other? Uh... Here, make room for Mama. <laughs> oh no, scram! What was your scram? Scram clown. Make room for Mama. <laughs> Get wiener. Oh God. Or just one that says Tig and Cheryl true story. Yeah. Or uh, ladies and jerks. Ladies and jerk. <laughs> <laughs> We got so much to choose from. I wonder if there's a way we could put, you know, post it somewhere and have people vote on the most popular mm. items, and then we could make a couple of the most popular ones. All right. Yeah. Well, let's right. hear it. Let's hear it from our our people. Let's hear it from the people. Um, check our uh, social media, uh, or email us, or um, I don't know. I think those are the two no, ways right. to get in even touch if with us. even if you write it in a review, right? We'd see it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let us know about merchandise. And um, if you can't get enough of me, go over to uh, my other podcast, Don't Ask Tig, and uh, check that out. All right, Cheryl, should we do it again? Yeah, let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. Tig and Cheryl.
Tig and Cheryl True Story is hosted by me, Cheryl Hines, and Tig Notaro. It's produced by Gabby Kovacic and Thomas Willette. Audio engineered and edited by Thomas Willette with music by David Susson. Special thanks to Patrick McDonald and Stephanie Allen. Follow us on social media for updates and review and rate True Story on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. You can also email us at Tig and Cheryl True Story at gmail.com. And next week, we'll be talking about the documentary Long Shot. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>